It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Texas has moved up into a college football playoff position, according to the Associated Press. How far did Alabama fall? And let's talk a little bit more about what's in store for Colorado now that they are 2-0. and oh, Let's go. It's the number one college football show. What's up, kid folks? It's RJ Young. I am not on a step mill. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on the show, we got to take a look at the updated Associated Press Top 25 and then my Top 25 and compare the two. Going to talk a little bit about what is going on at Oklahoma and what needs to be done about it. And I want to talk about Colorado because, well, I love talking about Coach Prime in Colorado. But let's start with The AP top 25 for week three, number one is kind of ho-hum, right? Georgia, but if you get further down the line, you'll see at number four, Texas has got the bump that we expected they would get following a 34 to 24 victory against Nick Saban's Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Yes, we can say it with authority now. Texas is back. We don't know for how long, though, you know, because it's it's Texas, right? Now, I've been bullish on Texas, right? But I've been bullish on Texas for two years now because the roster has always been one, been one of the most talented rosters in the sport. It's about could Steve Sarkeesian get that roster together in such a way that they could go beat up on teams that were just as talented. And not only did they do that, they did that in a historic way in Tuscaloosa. A lot of things to get through here that really we haven't seen in the Nick Saban era at Alabama, Alabama's largest home loss since 2004, which was versus South Carolina when they lost 20 to three is the highest ranked Texas team that uh, they, excuse me, highest ranked team Texas has beaten on the road since 1969 at Alabama. 1969 is also, well, kind of a historic year for Texas that I think also the last year, for instance, it was going to be them or Arkansas that was going to win the national championship, but it was also the last year before integration. And then we talk about what they have done 2005 and then the 2009, not necessarily avenging a loss in a BCS national championship game, but also getting real close by doing this thing in Tuscaloosa. Really excited for Steve Sarkeesian, who gets his first win as a head coach against a ranked team in the AP top five since Washington beat USC in 2009. And we saw Quinn Ewers be the kind of quarterback that we all knew him to be capable of, came together in a real way for him, completed, I think it was 24 of 34 for 349. And also, 
frankly, I saw some outstanding play from the defense. Anthony Hill is a true freshman that we haven't talked a bunch about on the show. We've hit on, but we need to talk more about because he had six tackles, two tackles for loss, two sacks in this game. And they sacked Jalen Milrow five times. Pete Kwiatkowski's defense coming into its own. Jalen Ford looks good leading them in the middle. Really enjoyed how they showed up to play this game. And I'm not as out on Jalen Milrow as others are. Yes, he had some missteps and miscues, but I think he's going to grow into an outstanding quarterback. And as much as we don't like seeing Alabama get beat down like this, or I should say maybe if you're Texas, you like enjoying Alabama getting beat down like this. It's been a while since we looked at Alabama and saw them as a number 10 ranked team. As a matter of fact, one of the things that dawned on me, I was looking at the top four in this Associated Press poll, or top five, I should say, is that if you were not Georgia, but an SEC team, and you were ranked inside the top five, you probably took a loss to a non-SEC team by double digits. LSU lost to Florida State, 45-24 on a neutral site, even if the game is played in Orlando. And of course, this game where Texas handed Nick Saban the worst home loss that he has suffered as a head coach at Alabama, which means that we all expect Texas to run the table now, right? Because that's that's what happens. Texas, you're supposed to run the table. We'll see because the Big 12 is still very stout. Texas gets Wyoming later this weekend. They're, they're really good, Wyoming. They gave Texas Tech everything they wanted, and I think Texas Tech is a good football team, acquitted itself well against the number 13 team in the Associated Press Bowl in Oregon, losing that game 38 to 30. It's nice to see Wazoo get in here in the top 25 at number 23 after beating what was the number 19 ranked Wisconsin Badgers and what was a really great win for the Pac-12, right? At the time, I believe they moved to something like 17 and 0, and then you had USC and Stanford play each other, and then Oklahoma State ultimately beat Arizona State, but a great start to the first two weeks of the season for the Pac-12 in and of itself. USC somehow got docked by the Associated Press poll for being up 49 to 0 at halftime, I believe. 49-3 at halftime against Stanford. I I don't see that. But I watch all the games. And this is also indicative of, you know, who does and who does not, because somehow Ohio State is six, and all they've done is win two games in a row and beat Youngstown State 35 to 7, where they had a wide receiver in Marvin Harrison Jr go for 160 receiving yards, two tutties on seven catches. I I get incensed about this because this is this is what I do, right? We have a ranking show. So I need to know about each one of these 25 teams and what I think about them in as far as could they beat another and how did they look when they were actually operating their offenses and defenses and special teams. And I just have my druthers about whether or not the 60 AP voters are always going to do that. Notre Dame is a sneaky nine here. I like Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is going to be pretty good this year we'll find out a lot about them in a couple weeks when they play at home against ohio state tennessee lurking there at 11 didn't show their best football against austin p but i'm gonna let that go too because it's austin p and they got florida coming up in the weekend utah staying at 12 after needing to fend off a baylor team that did not have its starting quarterback in blake shapen and lost to texas state last uh, last week now texas state's also a good football team uh gj kenny their head coach is also a Tulsa alumnus. I went to school with GJ. He was quarterback while I was in school. Very cool to see them. But Utah struggling in that Baylor team without Cam Rising is also important because I think they're a much better football team when Cam Rising is the quarterback and that they're 2-0 and is kind of fantastic knowing that Bryson Barnes and Nate Johnson weren't able to give you the kind of passing threat that Cam Rising can. It also speaks to just how good – Andy Ludwig is at managing that offense, and Morgan Scali is at 
letting that defense go to work. Oregon at 13 after needing to fend off Texas Tech on the road in Jones. LSU stays at 14 after stomping out Grambling State. I like Kansas State. They really beat up on a good Troy football team. And Will Howard had five TDs in that game. And then, well, we kind of get into the weeds here. But I want to switch to my top 25 because I think in the latter half, we got a little bit more movement for me especially when you look at UCLA at number 24 for the AP. And then number 17 for me, Dante Moore played outstanding football against San Diego State. He threw for 290 yards. He is the guy at UCLA. And I'm thinking if you knew that or you saw that, maybe you don't drop him into just, what is this, number 24. I think UCLA is a good football team, and I expect that, well, game in L.A. between the L.A. teams is going to be dramatic and fun. I also got Colorado at 16, and they got Colorado at 18. I moved them up because, well, I saw what I needed to see from Wisconsin like everybody else, right? So I had a spot. But I also think that they're getting better, and they showed me something. They didn't play a clean football game against Nebraska, and there was a moment there when it felt like Nebraska could take control of this game at Folsom, and it never actually happened. Colorado moving up to 16 also ahead of their Colorado State game, for which they are heavily favored. For the first time, it feels like the line is going to be right. The last line I saw for Colorado versus Colorado State is Colorado uh, minus 21, right? 21-point favorite. I expect that Shadour Sanders will continue to ball. He is up to plus 2,500 in the Heisman odds, according to that G, uh, MGM for perspective there. Travis Hunter's at plus 3,500, and Caleb Williams is at plus 350. It's a quarterback award, which is the reason why I have Shador Sanders ahead of Travis Hunter. But when you take into account what Travis Hunter is capable of and what he means to that team, yeah, you could see how that guy could win the Heisman Trophy just by putting together his tackles with his catches and go, we've never seen anything quite like that. But those two dudes make that football team go. But Shador does a little bit more than Travis. If they lost Shador Sanders, I think they're a totally different football team. That's how meaningful he is to what they do. Three total TDs against Nebraska, 393 yards through the air. He has yet to throw an interception. Question that really I find myself having to answer the most is, RJ, what do you think the ceiling is for Colorado? And people ask me this because I've been ahead on them since December last year and because I had him in my preseason poll and thought that they were one of the 20 best teams from the jump. So I got a read on what the team is capable of, but – I'm not going to put a ceiling on what they're capable of. I'm not going to put a ceiling on what Coach Prime is capable of. But I'll give you some examples that you can look to to give us some historical context here. Tulane went 2-10 and 10 in 2021, right? They turn around 2022, they go 12-2. and two. They hadn't won double-digit games in a season since 1998 when Sean King was the starting quarterback for the Green Wave. But they played in four out of five bowl games, right? including three in a row from 2018 to 2020. So they were good. They just hadn't been able to win more than seven games. And then I went and I looked, okay, who else has done something like this? Turns out Miami of Ohio went from 1-11 to 10-4, 2009 to 2010. Mike Haywood doing one of the fantastic turnarounds in the sport. But again, a G5 team like Tulane. So then you go to Texas Christian, who I've been loud about, 2021, 5-7. Gary Patterson steps down. They bring in Sonny Dykes, a whole new coaching staff. And they go into the portal. They bring out guys like Jared Wiley from Texas, Imani Bailey from Louisiana, Johnny uh, Johnny Hodges from Navy, Josh Newton from Louisiana Monroe to build the backbone of what was a national title runner-up team and a 12-win team last year. 
And then, of course, I got to look to my Oklahoma Sooners. 1999, they go 7-5 and five in Bob Stoops' first year. Flip around, go 13-0, beat Florida State for the national championship in 2000. So we have seen turnarounds sort of kind of like the one that may be on the offing for Colorado, but we have not seen a coach as magnetic as Prime doing the leading. And we certainly haven't seen this on the on the caliber that we're expecting to see it, right? Because Texas Christian, what they did was basically fending off people the whole way. It was a lot of fun because we all thought they were good, but none of us were going to pick them to win the national championship. They just kept winning football games in a Power 5 conference. Colorado is such a football team. Now, prior to the game against Nebraska, maybe some folks were thinking, hey, look, they'll come back down to earth when they play Oregon. But if you watched Oregon play against Texas Tech last night, Oregon does not look unbeatable, right? Matter of fact, you should probably be looking towards September 30th before you look towards September 23rd, because September 30th, USC travels to Folsom, and I expect that to be an enormous game because you have the reigning Heisman winner at quarterback and one of the great quarterback coaches and coaches in our sport at USC and Lincoln Riley. And then you got Prime on the sideline with Shadour Sanders, who's emerging as a Heisman finalist. You got Travis Hunter, who is the most versatile football player on earth today. That ought to be an outstanding game. But if they were to get past those two, you're going to see people not named RJ Young who are going to loudly talk about them making the Pac-12 championship and making the college football playoff in year one. Again, not going to put a ceiling on this. Prime is prime. It's going to happen the way that he wants it to happen. He hasn't yet got comfortable. That's what I'm really interested in seeing because we're all going to be here for 2023. But in 2024, expect it to crank up because he went four and three in the spring, 2021 at Jackson State, turned around, lost the game, won the SWAC championship, lost the Black College Football National Championship, and then he got comfortable. And they started running people down in the swag in 2022. He already is way ahead and he will remain ahead. But once he gets comfortable at Colorado, expect people to have to come through Colorado to get to where they want to go. And usually where you want to go is the conference championship or even the national championship. Really excited for what Colorado was going to be tomorrow, but also next year. Oh, I got Oklahoma here at number 18. The Associated Press poll has them at number 19. I saw them struggle against Southern Methodist team that might turn out to be pretty good. Preston Stone looked good slinging the football around. And the defense giving up 11 points after giving up zero the week before is an improvement. There's no getting around that. Justin Harrington feels like he's coming to really understand his role as that cheetah and Danny Stutzman is still leading that linebacking crew. And I think they are much better than they were last year. But again, they started 3-0 last year in non-conference, and then it went 6-7. and So let's wait until we get to Texas, who, according to the Associated Press, is number four, but according to me, is number five, before we start talking about what Oklahoma may or may not do. I also kind of want to get into just a little bit of the quarterback play, because Dylan Gabriel looks good back there, but 176 yards, four TDs. You still got Jackson Arnold, and you can still play Jackson Arnold. And I'm not – I'm enthusiastic about the quarterback position at Oklahoma this year as opposed to last year because Gabriel goes down and then, holy smokes, we don't have a quarterback. That's not true this year. And I feel very confident about Oklahoma's offense because of that fact. All right, so that kind of winds down the rankings reaction that I have for the AP poll and my own. Not a whole lot of movement for both of us, but really we're taking into account what Texas did against Alabama 
and we're giving Colorado its due. And we're not trying to overreact, but I do – well, before I get off of this, I have Ohio State at number three. I have Florida State at number eight. They have Ohio State at number six, and I have Florida State – or they have Florida State at number three. So three to six and then three to eight. I don't think in a head-up game that Florida State can beat Ohio State. I just don't see it. I watched Florida State struggle against LSU without Mason Smith and without the full uh, battery of their tailbacks, okay? I watched Jordan Travis try to throw the football to the other team. I watched Florida State receivers drop passes. I saw them go away from running the ball when they should have kept running the ball. And I think LSU is a better football team than the one we saw in the second half, all right? I think if both Ohio State and Florida State are healthy, Ohio State would beat Florida State. That's how I do this with my eyes, as people continue to say. I think they've been better defensively at Ohio State than they were last year, better de defensively this year than Florida State. Okay, I think whoever the guy is, Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, I think it's really a great quarterback, and you're not going to be outdueled by Jordan Travis at quarterback until something changes, right? Maybe Ohio State drops a game to Notre Dame, and we got to rethink this. But right now, I see no reason why I should doubt Ohio State as one of the four best teams in college football right now. I just don't, right? They'll get the chance to prove it with Notre Dame, Penn State, Michigan, so forth, so on. But right now, for me, Florida State beat a team that I had ranked number 14 in the preseason poll and is ranked number 14 in the Associated Press poll. All right. All right. Couple things that broke overnight that I want to get to. Uh, the first one involves Oklahoma and Art Bryles. Okay. So for those of you that did not see this, Oklahoma is investigating how Baylor coach, former Baylor coach Art Bryles, was seen on the sideline with his son-in-law Jeff Levy, and that's the point to raise here. Last night against Southern Methodist, Jeff Levy married Staley Bryles, who is Art Bryles' daughter. That's his father-in-law. That was the reason that Jeff Levy gave for Art Bryles being on the sideline, and they were photographed together by Parker Thune over at OU Insider. I'm also looking at this going, this is bad. And we all seem to agree that it's bad because Oklahoma athletic director coach – or director, my God. Oklahoma athletic director Joe Castiglione, who is not a coach <laughs> – Said in a statement on Saturday night, I was just as disappointed as many of our fans when I learned of the post-game situation tonight, Saturday night. It shouldn't have happened, and it was my expectation it never would. Based on boundaries we previously set, I've addressed it with the appropriate staff. Boundaries we previously set. Brent Venables was blindsided by this because he got asked in the post-game about it, and he said it's being dealt with. Like, he's— he did not want to talk about how it happened because he didn't know, but he was certainly not happy about it. Now, this goes back to Levy being hired as the offensive coordinator when these issues were raised because Oklahoma fans don't want to be associated with Art Bryles because of the sexual assault scandal that happened under Art Bryles' watch at Baylor. Okay? Very loud about this. Why do we need to get Jeff Levy? Why do we need to get a guy who was working for Bryles at Baylor? And who is in the family with Bryles, to which we had Brent Venable say, I felt a peace with it after he did his interview and after they talked about this. But that apparently was a year and a half ago, 
and Jeff Levy either forgot about it or some standards were lax. I doubt the standards were lax, right? Knowing Brent Venables and knowing the kind of ship he runs and really, frankly, knowing what Joe Constiglione's integrity is about, they didn't want this because they know Oklahoma fans don't want this. I don't want this. It really is the kind of thing where you got to look at Levy and say, this can't happen. I understand that it feels irrational for you not to be able to have your father-in-law on the sideline of a game that you're coaching. However, this is an irrational sport, and the 84,000 people that showed up to watch Oklahoma football on that Saturday night did not want to see Art Bryles on the sideline. And me being an Oklahoma fan, yes, that figures into this, right? Because if nothing else, that program's integrity is all. I say it often. That's the protein in the state of Oklahoma. That's the one that wears our state across its chest. That's the one that travels. That's the one everybody in the nation knows about. And that's the one for which we are extremely proud and really don't have a whole hell of a lot to be proud of past it, okay? You got to take care of that. And one of the ways you take care of that is operating with a level of integrity that is beyond reproach. You can't allow anybody to question your integrity as the offensive coordinator at OU. Seems unfair, but that's the job. And the buck has to stop somewhere. And I think it's going to stop start stop with Brent Venables, who had to make a difficult decision even last year when he let go Kale Gundy because he had some behavior that, frankly, you can't have associated with your program. So I'll be interested to see what comes of this investigation. I am all with Venables and Constiglione on how they are choosing to get on top of this and handle it right away. That is going to do it for today's episode of the number one college football show. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Kordaji. Karat. Cat is going to kill me. Kordaji. Kordaji. I'm just going to stop. Production assistant is Kiara Santana. My goodness. Our social media maven is Javion Duncan. Our lead screener are Jack Copley and Torrin Westfall. And that is John Marcus technically directing us today. All right. I will see y'all on Tuesday. Deuces.